Yo, we here. We back. It's the Highway Crew. Thank you for joining us for uh, Season 2 of the Highway Podcast, the fastest growing podcast in Southwest Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's right. You agree? Yep. Numbers check out. That's right. The uh, Highway Crew is here. Myself. We're going to go ahead and introduce the uh, the brains. The brains of the oh. operation. Oh, I, well, okay, I'm trying to make her feel good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the brains... The brains of the operation, and uh, let's just hear it. Got problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems, and a bitch ain't one. All right, Smee, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Good choice, good song. Yeah. Sorry, Bert's got some faces going on over here. And I was <laughs> like, I don't the situation. Well, he's not drunk because he's only had a couple yeah, uh, sips of a bush and maybe a few whiskeys. Yeah, right. no, I, it was a little bit distracting, but I'm good. Things are good. Good good song? Yeah, it's a good song. It's you got good. 99 problems? Yeah, but a bitch ain't one. Well, <laughs> okay. Nice. Uh, I'm, not, nice. I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to follow up with that. Yeah. yeah. The So that's an older song, but it's uh, just a version that I, I like and... And now we're moving on. Are we? I don't know. He said, he I think that was more like, hey, continue while oh, I'm do something. Uh, do we? something right <laughs> here. Are we? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was a. It's a by Hugo, and I think it was on a singing. Somebody did like a version of it on a singing competition a while ago, and it popped up on my, um, my likes playlist. And so yeah. I was like, well, you're not wrong. I just haven't heard it in a while. So yeah, it's been a. It's been at a minute. Least five years since I've heard that, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I still like it. Still yeah. Good version. I mean, it is a good song. Well, if I would be able to like spell the bird song, mm-hmm. uh, I probably already have it pulled up. But I keep saying beat. <laughs> <laughs> I keep typing beats, Bad beats, and I know that like this is a rap song, that brother. just ain't what it's supposed to be, boy. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, we have the highway crew, the Smees here, everybody's favorite character, of course, straight from the deer stand, straight from the deer stand wearing all camo but we don't know if he's got a deer yet so we'll ask him in just a second but fan favorite there's a bad beast Dude, that's sick. It's pretty mean, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, who sings that? Uh, Suzanne Santo. Santo? San- Santo? That's One right. of those. And then you and I listened, or you introduced me to that song Yeah. last week or something like that? Yeah, it's been about a week. But I've known, I've listened to her for a while now, but that one just hits different. You got a little bad beast in you. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got one. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. So you got a bad beast in we've got, all got a little... Oh, yeah, my bad beast is raging. Uh, by the way, you can probably just barely hear this yeah, because she's like say... walking off from yeah. the mic. Uh, okay. Doing things. We really got it together. 
Yeah, we're just <laughs> we really got our shit together. We're tonight, clicking right? on all cylinders, and we'll talk about some uh, some other stuff here in just a second because I want to ask you about your deer stand since you're in all camo, yeah. drinking a tall boy bush, which yeah. really sums up where we're from right now. <laughs> yeah, you can probably pinpoint where we're at just from my purchase and the way I look. <laughs> you want to do an intro? Yeah, let me get this mic ready. I need to hold it. Oh shoot, he's got to get it real close. Every time, I'm like never prepared for this. And I know exactly what's coming. Yes! <laughs> Time! That justice is the one thing you should always find. You gotta saddle up your boys. You gotta draw a hard line. When the gun smoke settles, we'll sing a victory tune. And we'll all meet back at the local saloon. We'll raise up our glasses against evil forces singing Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses Dude, I am on a big Toby Keith kick right now. Oh, Tobes? Yeah, there's a few different reasons for that. Um, obviously, today is Veterans Day. That's right. And I know you and I had talked uh, offline. We weren't going to make a big deal out of it. I understand what you're saying. However, uh, just a quick... Um, you know, obviously, thank you because you are a veteran, and uh, we appreciate your time and your service and your uh, sacrifices that you made for the greatest country on the face of the planet, baby. That's right, America, baby. And yeah. I appreciate the support. It yeah. means a lot, and I, I do have a hard time with it just because I know that there's individuals who have, you know, done some crazy stuff before me, but... Like I said, I, I thank you for the support, and um, I would also like to say Happy Veterans Day to all those that are listening. And yeah, or you are you even about to get out or still in? Hey, keep doing your thing, and we love you and we support you. Yeah, and I get that. I get why you don't want to. You know, I'm gonna stick to my word. We're not gonna go into yeah. it, but uh, I just think that's worth mentioning. And uh, it's humbling that you don't want to talk about it or, or dive into that. But uh, no, thank you, Smee. Do you agree? Yeah. No, I think. Thank you for, oh, yeah, salute. I gave you yeah. a salute. Yeah, I, they can't see it, but, oh, boy, they can feel yeah. it. Just tossing a salute out yeah, there. Yeah, I know. Thank you, and I know that was a that was a time of your life that you won't leave behind, so. Yeah, and that picture that you let us post, mm -hmm. that's freaking legit. Dude, wasn't yeah. it 240, brah? Of course, the way you're holding it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just below the waist. Yeah, just, just below the waist if. If anybody's wondering, yeah, I mean, just you know, naturally, I, I came up with a couple like, um, you know, Facebook friendly pictures, and then you you shoot back with that one, which is, you know, definitely more you, but was not yeah. available for public consumption prior to that. Which is the one we chose. Which is the one we went with, which, obviously. Of course, I had nothing to do with that. Right. I was going to say, I feel like somebody had a, heady, had a, had a heavy hand in that. <laughs> yeah. All right, but it is deer season, actually, the opening day, right? Rifle season, I guess, anyway. Is that right? Yeah, so... Okay. Both season started on October 15th. Something like that, I, I believe. And then, uh, yeah, rifle season started up this morning. And the rounds are cracking out there. Okay. So, birds sitting here in all camo. Uh, took his boots off. Uh, feet smelling just really good. Yeah. Pretty uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty right. And then I want to talk about this, too. So... Uh, the time right now is like 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. And Smee had sent out a group text er earlier, and it was like, what, start time was what, 5.31 is what she said? Yeah. So earlier, I was down here setting up, and I, th I thought I heard 
Burr's truck drive by, probably about what, what 5.45? Like pretty close to the time. I would say, yeah, probably pretty close to maybe even 6, probably, I, I think. Because okay. I had to grab, some, grab a bike to eat. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to explain uh, that I actually did hear your truck, and then I heard it drive off, not knowing it was actually you? Yeah, so I, I ran up to the neighbor's house, see if they had any nicotine. Um... <laughs> Because I didn't have any nicotine in the stand all day. I don't know what happened to it, but... The deer stole it? I assume if they did it, they did it right from underneath my nose. Because I went out there with it, and for some reason I couldn't find it when I got out of the stand. And obviously you can't get out of the stand and go back and forth and stuff. So Yeah, yeah there's not a store out there where you can just buy right. some chaw. Right, so I sat up there and... That was the number one thought in my head was like, I got to get some nicotine right after this. Well, the old neighbor is known to dip a couple times. And I, I went up to the neighbor's house and, and surprise, surprise, he didn't have any. Which is the bad day. You're at a dip and the neighbor doesn't have yeah, any dip. Yeah, so it's like, I feel like we're both in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I drive past the studio and I had a little pause in my driving where I was like... So you thought about stopping here to tell us that you are going to be late. Yeah, I thought... Well, I thought about stopping and just forgetting the nicotine. I, oh! I thought about coming here. It. I was just like, I was going to be like, all right. I'm just going to go go to the studio and then... Because after all, he is a professional. And so yeah, like, right. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm all content. You're all content, and baby, so, all the time. I'm like, well... Here's what here's my thought. While I was coasting a neutral down the road, I was like, "They want me at my best." Yeah, and nicotine puts me at that mm -hmm. at, my, at my best. So does whiskey. But we had one of them. Uh -huh. You want the full effect? Yeah, got to give me two of them. So I hightail it to the store. Yeah, I want you to know. I heard your truck accelerate by here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I pretty much like cruise or popped it in neutral and i was about to just go straight in the parking lot yeah and then i'm like i can't do mm -mm, this mm -mm. i can't give i can't half-ass this yeah mm -mm. you're a, you're a whole I'm, ass type I'm of a guy whole ass fella and so yeah. i wait to the store i went and got some nicotine mm, for the for the fans really yeah for, for for the listeners yeah you know so i do apologize for being tardy but it was worth it. Hey. I loved every second of that. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you apologize, but you don't yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I want to apologize to absolutely no one. <laughs> Which is why we love you. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. Was a good time. No luck in the deer stand today. You're going to go out again tomorrow, I assume? Yeah, we'll go out tomorrow morning. I, uh, this morning, today, I came across some... some some deers that didn't really feel feel like I needed to shoot them, so okay. I I held off. Obviously, the guns are popping around every which way, and I'm sitting there wondering, I'm like, is everybody seeing a shooter buck? Yeah. Like, how am I the only one that gets a, a spike buck running through here? And your theory is they're just blasting anything that walks by. Yeah, right? I think a lot of meat hunters are around here. Which don't get me wrong, hey, do what you got to do, eat, eat what you want and stuff. I just prefer since in this time. We are pretty comfortable on venison and and ground beef and all that jazz. So I was like, I might take a little bit more picky selection mm -hmm. out of the deer. So, um, but it it is frustrating when you're out there and you're you know you're you're not even seeing squirrels move around and, <laughs> and you're hearing guns fire. And I'm like, what is yeah. going on? Yeah. 
So, but uh, you know, opening day, the biggest buck I pulled out of the out of that valley was a fourteen, a fourteen point, and I got it on the third day of rifle season. So okay, so I mean, it's you know, those, you win some, you lose some, right? So we'll see how the rest of the rifle season goes. Gotcha. I I shot some cans today. Did you? Yeah. You gonna get them mounted? Um, <laughs> I left them out there. Yeah, oh, dude, uh, yeah, they're wounded. Oh, so you got to go back in the morning? Yeah. At yeah, I gotta track them. Yeah. I'm yeah. Well, you gotta, like, what kind of cans? Um, so it's kind of an interesting story. I told asked me. I said, "Hey, uh, do you want to just joking? Like, do you want to go set up some cans?" She's like, "I don't even think we have any." So I go down on the back of your, uh, I guess I'll call it your work truck, the one ton. Uh huh. And find bush cans. Oh, I wonder who put those. In. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Someone threw them on the yeah. back of your truck. I can't believe they did that. Yeah. So anyway, I went out and put them in the woods, and while I was uh, grilling the day, just uh, blasted those from the mm. deck. You know, just something to do while right. I was watching the meat. So like, instead of having like a a, a blood tracking dog, you're gonna have to get a, a bird. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I gotta get you to find the bush cans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why they're out there. Yeah. Oh, okay. I knew so you'd find them. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> so, uh, something else. Uh, Smee and I just got back from a week in um, South Carolina. Uh, just got back yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of later in the evening. And we did a uh, training out there on uh, marijuana. Yeah. And it was at the National Emerging Drug Trends Conference. Is that right? I always say it wrong. Yeah. Okay. And which is uh, ran by um, Talcott. Yes. Right? This is, from my understanding, is how that kind of works. Yeah. I think he was the, the host of this conference, him and his organization, Talcott. So stop. Yeah. So uh, those of you that don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, um, his, his name is Jermaine Galloway, and he is a uh, law enforcement trainer, but also does like schools, private stuff. Yeah, that's my understanding is he does a lot of education, schools, mm-hmm. training, um, you know, just awareness, if you will, of you know, current drugs and things like yeah. that for civilian entities, primarily in the education field, from my understanding. Yeah. So, uh, kind of put it this way. So, he was, like, uh, training me when I just first, when I first started. So, oh, he was, wow. like, the guy, like, talking at all the conferences and stuff. Oh, and he's cool. he's really good, uh, very knowledgeable at what... Uh, uh, what he speaks on. So it was really cool for us to get invited out there. And it was in Charleston. And I was expecting like a couple hundred people. But what ended up being there was like, um, that was my phone, sorry. It was like, what, 550, 600 people is what they said? Yeah, I think they said oh, they wow. had yeah, 600 yeah. registries. Yeah, so it was really cool. Uh, went out there and spoke on some uh, cannabis and stuff. But so he and I have taught um, at the same conferences, but we've never met to my knowledge. And, uh, I'm pretty sure he agreed with that, but so it was kind of nice to actually meet the guy that, uh, you know, had kind of taught me growing up. And then now I'm, I was able to teach for him and, cool. uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. So his name's tall cop uh, or that's what he goes by. That's his brand. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm not a small guy. Uh, and I'm not extra large by no means, but I'm not a small dude. There's very few people that I go, all right, I'm getting dwarfed by this dude, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to show you a picture real quick uh, that we took together right before I spoke. <laughs> Check that out. Oh, wow. This dude is yeah, it, big. Yeah, talk up spitting. Yeah. <laughs> he makes you pretty look pretty small. Yeah, I felt, uh, so he's a whole head higher than yeah. me, at oh, least. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say a good head wing. Yeah, again, very few people that I feel uh, inferior to, Yeah, like face-to-face in person. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, hey, man, can we, can we get a picture together? And he puts his arm around me. I'm like, I just feel like a little kid. Yeah, you're like sitting there cuddling up. Dude. Dude. All of a sudden, you're like, oh. <laughs> I was like, God dang it. Because like, he put his arm around me like I was a little kid. Yeah, like, Come on, you're little and guy. I didn't know Let's what to do. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know what to do. So I just threw up like a freaking, my sign that I always throw yeah. up. I just felt inferior. I just hey, it happens, mm, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it's hard not to dude. when you have a guy that tall, dude. Yeah, he's, he's like a yeah, over so. And the way that he did it was just so smooth. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey man, we got a picture. He's like, oh yeah, dude, no problem. Yeah. yeah, and just like, well, you're not his first little. Kid, no, right? I'm not his first. Child. And I almost like if he just would have like palmed the top of my head, I would have really died laughing. Dude, that would be hilarious. Just freaking palmed my head like a basketball. Yeah, that'd be sweet though. So, yeah, so, no, that was cool. Like I said, we just got back, spent a week out there, and it was really neat. And uh, I guess we did a pretty good job because we're going back next year. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah you already got invited for back for next year. So. Yeah, yeah. So him and his wife were great, very nice people, and uh, I was very uh, honored to be a part of their conference and very pleased to meet him finally. Because, mm-hmm. we, we, again, we taught at the same places but never actually met. So uh, anything else on that, Smee? Anything you want to talk about? Yeah, no, I think that it's it was really cool. It was a cool conference to be a part of. There were people from all over the country and lots of different disciplines. So it wasn't just um, straight law enforcement. There was, you know, nursing. There was... Uh, like school counselors, yeah. oh, wow. substance abuse counselors. That's pretty sweet. Which is always, um, I'm not going to say a tough crowd. You got to be, uh, I'm going to say careful or kind of watch your the way you train mm-hmm. or talk and you, you get this too. Cause like the way you talk to uh, your military folk is different than the way you would talk to a civilian group. Right. 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 So you've always got to find that bridge of how do I entertain, get the information across, but not cross a line. Right. Like how do you keep their attention, but not offend. Correct. Them kind of thing. Yeah. I Cor- mean, correct. And, Go ahead. Go That's ahead. a line that I have never found. <laughs> you just offend everybody yeah, I just immediately. Offend everybody, or they love it. So yeah. it's like one of those things. Yeah, and it's one of the like as I'm talking, I'm going uh, like because like you're processing the information. I'm thinking this joke is probably not appropriate right yeah. here. So I've got to actually be mature for a second and go past that, right. though I want to send it anyway. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, and then every once in a while I do send it, and I'm like, ugh, I probably shouldn't have it's done like, that. Huh? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? But I've never been roasted about what I said, right? Yeah. No, I think you have. I think you have. You do a better job of adapting than you think you do. And I've watched you know several of your presentations now, and I can tell when you leave out specific jokes or specific parts based off of your crowd. And I think mm. that's just that's. That's that a speaks to your, yeah, that yeah. speaks to your um, your ability to adapt to the room and to continue and you know kind of be flexible with your crowd. And I think that's you don't you don't give yourself enough credit for that because mm. you did. I mean, I would say that the majority of the people that kind of came up and talked to you afterwards or followed us on social media afterwards were probably some like more of the you know honestly more of the therapy and the counselors than mm. I mean I you've got some law enforcement followers and then admittedly I'm sure you're going to tell the story about some of the people that maybe already were following you and didn't know it, that was the majority of the follows I feel like you got. And people yeah. that came up and talked to you were were the not the law enforcement. Yeah. And obviously it, that would happen if you just offended all of them. Right, so that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, Samia knows what story. I got two stories I'm going to tell real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so afterwards, one of the law enforcement guys came up to me. and he we, Several civilians, but eventually we, we, he and I were chit-chatting. And uh, so what I do at the end of every uh, presentation is I say, hey, um, 
uh, hey, if you guys give us a follow, we'll give you some stickers, that type of thing. Mm. A little incentive to do that. <clears throat> so this guy walks up to me and he's like, well, apparently I already follow you. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I recognize that fucking hat. And I just couldn't <laughs> remember what it was from. <laughs> so, which made me laugh, yeah, right? Because it's like that stupid hat we put on everything. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was cool that he didn't know that he already followed us. So that was pretty cool. But, That's sweet. Uh, but I'm going to show you something. get stickers, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or, or, uh, actually, you know, hey, let me take this back. I don't know if he did, but I said, hey, man, you already follow us. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and grab some if you want. Yeah. So I don't know if he ended up doing that because uh, I think okay. I started kind of chit-chatting with somebody else. Oh, but, okay. Um, so, again, you got to kind of watch uh, what you do for civilians versus cops, right? Because we have a different sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to show you this one, uh, this meme that I posted right before, I think it was the night before or the morning of. I don't even, maybe the morning of. <laughs> So the conference, and to, to you it may not make sense, but I'm going to explain it to you. First, I'm going to show it to you. So it's a uh, a bowl of soup with basically a head in it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it says, yeah. <laughs> the check well-being no, one, no one's heard from since February. Yeah. And if you've been in that situation, you understand that the human body does not... Hold br- up. Yeah. There you yeah, go. She doesn't hold up. <laughs> She never hold up. Yeah, she ain't it. Once the life leaves us, we don't hold up. That's a really good way to put it. Literally. So it's like this bowl of soup. And I I remember, like, I've literally seen people in a bowl of soup. I think I've even told a story on here about the guy splashing up on me. Have Uh, I told you that story? I I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, like, these uh, uh, civilian folks, like, one of the uh, uh, lady came up to me afterwards, and I think she was from California, uh, Washington. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to follow you on social media. And I was like, uh, are you sure you have a, like? Do you have a good sense of humor? And she's like, oh yeah, no problem. Because I know they're gonna see that and go, what the heck's wrong with yeah. this freaking dude? But anyway, she still follows us, so I guess it, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, she does. Yeah, oh, okay. I because I checked. I'm like, Ugh. so did she, did she follow you right then, or did? Did you uh, see a reaction or anything? Like, no, so so like uh, what usually happens is I leave my uh, contact information on the screen for a little bit, uh-huh. but. Um, like there's some guys that were going to follow me. So they kind of came in, unplugged my stuff, which again, not, I'm not dogging them because they yeah. had to set up for their stuff. Right. I totally get that. So she had come up to me afterwards and said, Hey, I didn't get your information. Oh, okay. So I had to like show her on Instagram where it was, uh, but then I'm going, the first thing she's going to see is this body in a bowl in a bowl of soup. <laughs> <laughs> soup. Which I mean, I think that, yeah, it's, it's cops have definitely a, uh, raunchier sense of humor, but anything. Hey, so do the military. Yeah, folk, right. Right? Well, okay. I'm not, through the military but i think that anybody that deals with just the traumatic parts of society um can can follow along i think yeah i think nurses probably got a good gist of it as well nurses i'm not worried about at all because they are as sadistic or more sadistic than we are yeah i was gonna say i bet they got a little the difference with social work is that they recognize the trauma response that's associated with gallows humor so they don't find as much pleasure in it i would say Mm. I find it, yeah. I, I found it freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That's Which, just my perspective on psychologists and so, social works is that they can also hang because they see some of the darker parts of the world, but, but they also, also recognize like, that, oh, this person. They're diagnosed. person you. might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm they might. Cheese in that yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah, they're I, like, this guy. 
You're like, but are you okay? That yeah. like we're okay. I'm like, but did you see that bowl of soup? I think that's probably just like their discipline is to like realize that we're messed up. <laughs> to to um also recognize yeah the 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 dark sense of humor to deal with some of those traumatic things, but also to be a little bit like. Everybody mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably a really good segue into the actual podcast's topic. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. It's me. So um, this pod is going to be, I don't want to say a little more serious, but we are going to discuss some more serious topics. Mm-hmm. And as usual, I'm going to expect the uh, normal uh, sort of reactions and comic relief from the bird over here. Yeah, I ain't going to hold it back. Hey, Smee, why don't you go ahead and just top me off there real real quick. We're finishing off the whiskey here. Smee's wise, got a, wise men? Yeah. yeah, wise man whiskey. Uh, whiskey. Yeah, we drank that the last time, too. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've got a couple. We bought a bottle out in uh, South Carolina we'll bring for the next one. Um, what kind was it? Uh, Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden, but it was like... Uh, it was uh, also aged in red wine. Aged oh, in a red wine barrel or something. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went high class. So. Oh, all right, so for this one, we're going to talk about, again, some more serious stuff. And it's basically, uh, I'll kind of tell you how this episode or how this topic came up. Is I was just, I'm preparing a follow-up presentation to The Job Isn't Dead, which is more of a self-development type of presentation for, like, cops as individuals versus, like, let's fix the agency, right? Okay. Um, so I was doing some research on that, and one of the papers I came across, so this was just today, was from it was actually just a uh, looked like a research paper and it was from the indiana state university and this this uh lady named mercedes spicer i have no idea who this is no idea uh, but it was the title of the paper is called the effects of police work on family life and i understand that our family life sometimes is just not the best right so as one of kind of the pillars or the topics of this new presentation I'm creating uh, is going to be family life. So I read this, I read this, this uh, paper and it basically got some ideas turning or mm-hmm. some, uh, some thoughts moving around. Right. So I'm not really like citing the paper itself, but just some of the topics they covered. Um, I thought we'd talk about on here. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So what we're going to do is I'm going to let the SME kind of take, oops, excuse me. I'm going to let the SME kind of take uh, the reins here. But the topics are basically stressors in law enforcement. So what causes like the most stress in this career? Okay. So I thought that I will speak from my point of view. Mm-hmm. I understand that I am in no way a psychologist. In fact, I'm probably about the furthest away. Right. I, yeah. Did you guys you remember that bowl one, of soup brother? that we talked about? You might need a C one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I thought that we would di- we would talk about my point of view and then how I either cope with that. And I can only speak for myself. Right. And then I thought from your point of view, you could speak from either a military, mm-hmm. like so how you coped with that in the military, or, and maybe uh, hyphen and, you could talk about the transition from the military to now dealing with that in, in the civilian world. Yeah. Does that make sense yeah. to you? Yeah. Because um, I think this is probably some stuff that we don't uh, typically talk about. But um, yeah, I'm just going to tell you know how I deal with that, the problems that I've done, uh, 
I've had, things I've done wrong, things I've done right. There you go. You good with that? Yep, I'm good with it. All right, so uh, the topics that we're going to cover, and again, I'm going to turn this over to Smee, and these are the uh, things that cause the most stress, or things that I can find that cause the most stress. Um, and it is going to be time management, promotions, finances, emotions, and then the last one, I'm not looking at anyone in particular in here, nor am I having a mirror at myself, alcoholism. That's a joke. Do you guys remember that bowl of soup, though? Yeah. Let's talk about the bowl of, bowl of soup. All right. Redirect. Redirect. All right, it's me. You ready for this? I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. We kind of talked about this earlier. Yeah. And uh, all right, the reins, the potty's yours, oh, my lady. Oh, my goodness. So are you going in order then? Is this is this in no specific order or is this an equal distribution? No, no specific order. Okay. Uh, so we'll just go in the order as listed. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first one is time management. And some factors that we're considering time management are working holidays yeah so that's a topic kind of by itself yeah so i think the way we'll, we'll, we'll probably pose that question would be uh to you mm -hmm. it would be missing holidays because you were you deployed once or twice twice okay that's yeah. what i thought so for you it would be missing holidays mm -hmm. obviously not around family friends right. etc well you're probably around friends at that point but yeah how did you cope with that type of uh, I don't want to say issue, problem, um, situation. Yeah, just, just, yeah, situation, I think. And then also, just even if we want to highlight from a time period perspective, when Bird was in the military, he was a single. Right. Um, yeah. No kid having, you know, wild lad. Right. And so I think that's a different perspective. Yeah, I think, well, I was going to bring that up. It was kind of, so, yeah, single life in the military, especially in the Marine Corps, was, uh, it can... It really wasn't all that bad. Now that like this, the the time management part, like with holidays, um, let's say like you're on deployment. Really, no, obviously nobody's going home for the holidays. So I kind of really resorted into hanging out with my buddies. Um, and it wasn't, it really wasn't that bad. You know, we had somebody send us a, a like a, a small fake Christmas tree during the holiday. So. Although you you know you want to be hanging out with your family at home, you you, you still were able to have a good time, um, and you 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 know have family that you're with anyways too. So um, the time management part really didn't affect me too much because I think I was single mm -hmm. and I you know I didn't have kids, so I think that helped. Not saying it you know. I think it was just a different situation for me. I think it's easier when you're by yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, because all I'm, you know, obviously I'm worried about the family members at home, but it's also like, you know, they're, you know, they got people that are there for them. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like they're, they're alone. Um, and, you know, and, and the buddies, we're all in the same situation together. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's going home. It, you know, we all knew that, you know, pretty much before you signed the line. Right. So it's like, Hey, let's make the best of it. And I never really felt down during those times. You know, those obviously those stressors can eat at people, eat at I would assume, uh, you know, fathers and you know mothers or whatever it may be if they're not with them. And I get that, but at that time I was single and I had my my homies, you know, hanging out yeah. with, with each other. So I really, in my in my mind, looking back on it, I really didn't have a hard time with that. Mm -hmm. But I can see how it can be. Yeah, Troublesome. probably as a single guy, I mean, hanging with the homies, 
is sometimes the most fun you can have. Right. Right. So probably from your point of view, I mean, I hate to say, oh, you were having a blast, like you didn't miss family and stuff. I, you know, I hate to insinuate that, but yeah, man, hanging with the boys is sweet. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was, you know, it's gonna sound tasteless, but that's what I'm about, I guess. You didn't have to worry about buying presents for people back home. You know what I'm saying? God. I know it yeah. sounds bad, but like yeah. it's like, hey, I'm hey, I'm deployed. I can't get I you can't anything. Get you, anything. Mm-hmm. you know, so it's, I mean. Although, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to buy him presents, but it's also like that was a stressor that wasn't there, yeah. you know, and so all yeah, our buddies, yeah. you know, that we were there, we were just like, hey, you know, we ain't getting nothing. That's fine. You know, we just got each other, you know, laugh and have that dark sense of humor and have a good time with it. I like that. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So I'll talk about the holidays from my point of view. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So when I first started copping, I was also single and no kids so the holidays for me was pretty easy mm-hmm. um when i started i was at a municipality so we did 12-hour shifts and when you do 12-hour shifts you basically work or the way we did it two days on two days off three days on mm-hmm. two days on three days off so you knew like what holidays you were going to miss when you started your calendar right i mean the whole year you knew so that was really easy because you could just say, hey, listen, I'll be there for Christmas. I won't be there for Thanksgiving. I will be there for New Year's, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, then as time went on, I went to county. And then at county, I was married. And that was tough because I was on the DWI unit. Mm. So any sort of holiday, I think we would all agree that most likely we see or would expect like more people like drinking and driving. Right. And that's what I did. So, like, we were we were expected to work those holidays. Mm. So that was always tough. And then now, where I work at the state level, um, when I started at the state level, I had a I guess I didn't have a kiddo when I started, uh, but very soon after, right. had a kiddo and married. Mm-hmm. So now you're missing Christmases, right? right? Um, Easter, whatever it is. Right. So for me. Um, I tried to do some little things and I didn't always do them good. But what I mean by little things is like on New Year's Eve, I mean, I was out drunk hunting because I was the, the, the junior guy on my shift, which you would expect that guy to work. Um, but I would always try to ride at midnight, like drive home and like, you know, give my wife a kiss, obviously for midnight. And I think I hit it every time, I think. Uh, but anyway, So then, like, for Christmases and stuff, and this was just uh, to kind of speak to the guys that I worked with, There's a couple guys that had older kids. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is say, listen, my kids have already graduated. I'll work Christmas morning so you can have Christmas morning with the kiddo because, mm-hmm. you know, I had a brand new kid. But if you'll work Christmas night. Okay. And to me, that was – I really enjoyed that, and I appreciated that. Um, but then I also had the luxury at the state level of basically traveling anywhere – that was within probably, I don't know, a 70 mile radius. Mm. So you could also go to family stuff. Right. You know, when you could, unless you had a call. So for me, it started out easy because I was single, but you just have to kind of work around that and you understand that you're going to miss some things. But uh, if I had any advice to give, which is, you know, not a whole lot, make the effort to make the things that you can because there'll always be criminals out there. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. It's yeah. me. Anything? What's your yeah. thoughts, me? I don't know. Oh, you're the question asker. I'm the question asker, technically, yeah. yeah. 
I think, yeah, it's it's definitely hard in a uh, profession that never stops to to make time for the holidays. But just in, in terms of um, the actual holiday itself and, you know, being with family, it doesn't always have to happen on, like, thir- the Thursday Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just taking that time to, you know, enjoy the, the moment or to recreate however you can. Um, you know, the, the feeling of the holiday is, is what I think is important. So yeah. that's, that's where the, the creativity and the flexibility come into play of how are we going to make this work for our situation versus, um, you know, it, it's going to look like everybody else's Thanksgiving morning or, you know, Christmas morning or whatever. It's just yeah. not going to, yeah. it's just not going to look like that. So, yeah, I think it's making sure that your partner's okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Your partner's okay with it too. I mean, for instance, I'll give an example. Like I still miss a lot, even though I'm not, uh, on the road full time, but like coming up, I'm going to miss Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, you know, talk to your partner and see, Hey, is this doable? So basically we're just doing Thanksgiving on a different day. Yeah. Cause I'll be in, uh, is it Ottawa, yeah. Ottawa, Canada. So yeah, I, you can make it work. It's just a little bit different, which is, you know, different is not always bad. Yeah. yeah. That's I me. think that some of the best traditions are unique to your family and your situation, though. So right. Just figure out what that is for you, for you and your people. Cool. And I think on the kind of on the other side of that, obviously, you know, you know, obviously think about your family. But if you're in a situation where you're not think where where you're not able to be there in a during a holiday or a special event, you know, that's kind of where the camaraderie is b- built within your unit, where your buddies and the you know, people you work with that are also aren't aren't able to be there. right and so just because just because you're not able to be there which is very unfortunate you know try to make the best of it with the people you have um around you because they're also in the same situation they're also dealing with the same stressors and you from my opinion and from my experience that's kind of where you find your your deepest camaraderie was when everybody's kind of not very happy that they're there in yeah. the first place. And so you're able to kind of build a a, a good bond, a, a pretty good bond with them. So I think you're suffering together. Right. You know, but it's also, you know, it's um misery loves company kind of thing. Like, you know, you're in a miserable state, but you also have a buddy to you. got your boys with you. got your boys and you, and you know, you can hang out with them even if it is, uh, the scenario is not ideal. Yeah. But, I like it. Yeah. All right. It's me. What's the next? I think time management has it one more. Is that right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it has, so missing school events because of work kind of, I feel like, falls under maybe a little bit of the holiday, holiday stuff, yeah. Uh, and then the next one is possibility of call-in on time off or while on vacation. Okay. So, I'll kind of speak on this one. Um, so, the possibility of call-in. Mm-hmm. So, when you're when you're young, or when I, again, I'm speaking from, from my point of view. <clears throat> when I was young, I would think. Oh, what's going on at work? What's going on at work? You know, wow, what am I missing out on? Then, of course, as you as you get older, you realize what's important. And I love my job. Let's, you know, understand that. But that's really not what is not what is important. <clears throat> so, I'm a big Jim Rohn guy. And if you don't know who Jim Rohn is, man, definitely look him up. He's he's dead now, but big businessman, big motivational speaker, but. One of the biggest things that he says that I took away from is when you're at work, be at work, Mm -hmm. meaning, hey, you're there, 
you're handling your business, which I think is important from uh, a law enforcement standpoint of, hey, listen, I have to be here mentally or something can go really right. bad, right? Uh, but, and this is what I'm really bad at sometimes, is when you're at home, be at home. Right. Or when you're on vacation, be on vacation, whatever it is. So as far as uh, for the call-in type of you know things, um, we were on like a rotation. So when you went off at, let's say, 1 a.m., you were on call until, uh, let's say, 3 a.m. So if anything happened between 1 and 3, they'd call you out. Mm-hmm. And then if anything happened between 3 and 6, when the other car came on, they would call them out. And that's just really understanding that really you're still at work, even though you're sleeping. Right. And that's kind of hard. It's weird to say. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the biggest thing that I would take away or recommend is when you're off, be off. Right. Right. I mean, the job, uh, will always be there. I had a guy tell me one time, I was at a bar and he was probably three sheets to the wind. So he probably doesn't even remember saying this, mm-hmm. but I was a pretty young cop and he was just getting ready to retire. And he said, Hey man, never forget that when you weren't a cop, there were calls pending. When you started as a cop, there were calls pending. And when you retire and are no longer a cop, there will still be calls pending. Mm. I thought, well, that's a pretty good way to look at it, right? You can right. never solve every problem. So right. just understand that there's always going to be something there. Hmm. So yeah. you got something on that? I mean, I didn't have to deal with the call-ins right. very much. Um, so I, I I could assume that, it, yeah, it's one of those stressors that can kind of carry over it out of work. So, but... I really didn't have to deal with it. Yeah, you were just there. I was there. Like, yeah. there, you know, it was just one of those things that nobody, we really didn't have to get called. It was just one of those things that they just go knock on the hooch next to you and make sure that they're ready to go. Kind of yeah. Thing, so. Fair enough. But Yeah. I mean, I think I worked, so I worked in ER and urgent care leadership before I became a mom. Uh, and, and that was very much, you know, 24 seven, seven days a week, uh, holidays. And so after that happened, after, um, after I had, I had a kiddo, uh, it became very clear. Um, you have a kid. What? I know. OMG. OMG. Who knew? Uh, it became very clear that, uh, that those calls weren't, weren't going to stop. And so, uh, I, that's when I had to kind of assess the capacity for me to be a new mom uh, and and handle some of those 24 hours, seven days a week mm-hmm. uh, issues. So, yeah, I want to make sure I heard this right and Burr back me up. <clears throat> Just verify if I heard this I mean, right. Is it something Smee said? Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. I'll back you up anyway. <laughs> Here's what I heard is I reached my capacity. Uh-huh. I understood that. And then I was offered a job by the fastest growing podcast in Southwest Missouri that saved my life. Is that what you heard? I heard it. Here, let me tell you about Smee's day, by the way. She doesn't even start work until like 1.30. What the? And that's 1.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Now. It ain't night shit, bro. Yeah, that's right, baby. Let me give her a little credit. She can also do the amount of work in four hours that most people can do in eight. Okay, so it's a, it's a good trade-off. <laughs> yeah, that's true, it's yeah. a good trade-off. Can we edit this out? Yeah. Can we edit this out? Can we edit this out? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I basically heard that we saved her life. Uh-huh. Right. Man, I think wow. You saved somebody's life. I might, have lo- I might have snapped on somebody else. Wow. <laughs> wow, we're heroes. 
Dude, on this day, we're heroes. Oh, my gosh. Gosh. So good. So thankful for you guys. Ask me, what's next? So the next overarching theme from this uh, from this study is promotions. Okay. Do you want me to read some of the sub context? Or- um, yeah. So I, yeah, go ahead. Can you read that? So uh, stressful because there are a few spots to promote in a lot of officers. Okay. The first hyphen. Okay. So more um, demand than there is supply, if you will. Or more supply than there is demand. Right. Yeah. There's more supplies and there's more officers and there is demand of positions. positions. Yes, yeah. Right. So I guess I'll let you start with that one. Um, so basically, you know, there's not a, there's not as many leadership positions um, as there are troops, if you will. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think so. In the military side, obviously, things have probably changed. Maybe they haven't. Um, so it's fairly easy for individuals to get promoted uh and when i was in mm-hmm. before it was harder i believe uh, give us a refresher how long you been out so everybody so up to date 2018 okay five years yeah okay so things might have changed but i assume they haven't yeah not much. too long yeah so um yeah the promotion it seems like all you had to do for the promotion really was to have the the courses done online and they do like a scoring system they like have, they put like your your pft and your cft scores and stuff combat fitness tests and your personal fitness test mm-hmm. so naturally naturally you have somebody who's excelling in their their fitness test you want to think that they're good leaders and a lot of times they are but that always doesn't translate to the leadership role they get promoted to. Mm-hmm. So they get they get like um like they pick up a corporal and automatically they become like a team leader or mm-hmm. even a, a squad leader. Well, that sometimes those individuals aren't capable of even leading a team, and so and a team is a four squad is of like 12, 11, 12 if you have a corpsman or whatever. But you know you have these individuals. And you, um, sometimes the, the you're having a multiple like sergeants in a squad because the promotion is going, but like they obviously are in a position sometimes that they need to lead more, or that they need more leadership, you know, roles because they are good leaders, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. So it kind of varies a promotion wise, and um. When I got, I had to go on a panel for when I picked up sergeant, and I can't, I can't remember. Like they ask you, like, uh, you know, tactical stuff, you know, ambushes or whatever it may be. But one of the questions that Captain Tidwell asked me was, "Good captain?" Yeah, he okay. actually, he he he's actually he's passed now, um, but he was, uh, yeah, from what I could see, in my opinion, he was a great captain. But he asked me, he's like, why, why should you be a sergeant? And that, for me, didn't have any tactical reasoning. I just pretty much said, I'm like, you know, I think individuals probably wouldn't like my response. And I'm like, pretty much to be the umbrella to, to protect the guys from all the, the bull crap that rolls downhill from higher ups. And I was speaking to higher ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of walked out of there thinking, I'm like, eh, 
they're probably not going to give it to me. Right. Because I had to panel and there was a select sergeant, you had, uh, sergeant select, so you have to like go against a couple of other guys. Well, sure enough, that next quarter or next month or whatever it may, may have been, I ended up getting promoted from the, the captain that he w- he got out as a major, but he captain at my time. He, I got promoted from him. So it was a pretty cool little scenario, but yeah, I think promotions kind of, it's hard to tell. A lot of guys need to get promoted in the military from what I saw, and then a lot of guys shouldn't. So it's kind of like split. There's some individuals that, you know, weren't very good at their job and there's some individuals who were very great at their job who weren't getting promoted so it's kind of like a 50 50 out of yeah but yeah there's a so there's a term called the peter principle and it's the concept that you're promoted past your competency Mm -hmm. (laughs) the um the most like uh you know simplest concept of the term is you know if you have in the corporate america if you have a salesman that's a really good salesman and then he can, continues to, he or she continues to max out their sales quotas mm-hmm. and do all those things. Then naturally the progression is for them, for him to, to move into like a sales regional manager or something. Right. Um, based solely on the fact that he himself is good at sales. And so the, the concept of the Peter principle is that um, he may be a really, really good salesman, but he's not necessarily a really good leader. So, so the way that would look in your guys' industry, he may be a great you know, tactical individual, or he may be a super competent officer, but he himself, um, does that, does not mean he is built for leadership. Right. Um, and unfortunately the majority of the systems are meant to reward those individuals that are, are good at those, um, those hard skills or the, you know, the hands-on skills of dealing with whatever the, the role is, but doesn't, don't necessarily have the, the leadership components to go with their promotion. That right. They're getting. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely see that. I, one of the things I was told from my leadership was take everything you like about a leader, all the leaders you have in the military, because you come across a lot, and everything you don't like, and you ball it up and to make it what you are kind of thing. So you take each individual leadership or a leader, a leader that you've had, you kind of pluck from how he's, he you know trains or how he teaches or how he yeah. leads. You pluck that and like, oh, I like that, but I don't really like this. Yeah. And you kind of take that out, and then eventually you'll end up kind of molding your own style of leadership. That, um, no, I'm not saying I was the best leader, but I don't think I was the worst. So it's like, I think that perspective and that, you know, ability to kind of take something from each leader that you come across, I think that actually, that helped me out a lot was being able to do that. Yeah. So why do we think it's stressful, like within the profession, though? Why do we think that promotions themselves even are 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 stressful? And is it just solely because there's not enough roles for the individuals that are going into them, or is it because the system maybe rewards those hard skills and or not necessarily rewards actual <laughs> leadership? Can I take a shot at this one first? Yeah, you got it. Um. This is again, this is all my opinion is people put way too much weight or way too much effort into getting promoted. There are people out there who work simply to get promoted, which is not the reason to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll give you an example of it was just a few weeks ago. I was sitting at the uh, lunch table and a guy walked up and he's talking to all of us. And he says, 
yeah, you know, I think I'm going to put in for this promotion. Mm-hmm. I don't really want the spot, but it's really how I get promoted to the next level. Mm-hmm. Which, it was really hard for me to bite my tongue. And then it's like, why are you putting in for that, right? right. And the answer was to get promoted. Mm-hmm. So the people that work just to get promoted, in my mind, this is my opinion, and again, have no business being promoted. Right. It's the people that work hard because they like to work hard and because it's the right thing to work hard and it's because the right it's the right thing to do the job right and don't care about promotion, those are your true leaders. Right. So it's not stressful if you don't necessarily care about promotion. Right. And I think that's the way most people should be. You know, and I'll just speak for myself here. I don't work to get promoted. Listen. If you don't want to promote me, that's your business. Yeah. Right? It is what it is. I'm going to keep on keeping on either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you put all this weight and all this thought into, oh, I've got to get promoted. I've got to get promoted. That's when it becomes stressful. Right. But if you can free your mind of the thought of, I have to be promoted, it's so much more relaxing because now you're just working because you want to. Right. Right. Now you're working for yourself. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree. Your thoughts on that? I, I agree with it because that's kind of like I went into that. I went into that. Uh, to that sergeant promotion. I went into that kind of thinking like, hey, I'm going to tell them what I, how I feel. More than likely, they're not going to promote me. Sure. Thankfully, they did because I think that also kind of. Re- kind of comes into so in the military the higher promotion you get the more you get paid and I, I i i like rank yeah finances is another topic yeah, that's- yeah so yeah. we can just go off into that because that that's a stressor in itself I sure assume um but yeah i can see where the promotion kind of i think it comes back to where you know yeah falls back on that because some individuals they need to get promoted simply to live up to their financial needs to or the something. means yeah yeah so um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, the, the, with the mindset of you're not chasing the promotion, you're no. not chasing, you know, the stack, you're not chasing nothing besides being a good leader or being a good individual at your job, whatever it may be. Then I, I think that's the best, the best way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I don't want to speak on behalf of, but I'm going to go with, uh, Greg and AG. Those guys are great leaders. I have never heard them once talk about, oh, I want to get promoted. I want to get promoted. Or I got to do this to get promoted. Nah, 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 nah. That's not the way that works. Mm -hmm. So you want to relieve stress? Forget about promotion. It is what it is. There's a million ways to make money. And if you look at promotion and how much you make in between promotions, it really isn't that much anyway. Right. So, again, I'm going to save a lot of this stuff for when we get to finances. Right. Uh, But... Man, just release some stress and don't worry about it. That's right. Right? Work for yourself. Yeah. Right? Be happy. Work for yourself. Work for the people that are beside you. Mm-hmm. And other than that, man, just keep on keeping on. So, yeah. So, you can save it until right now. Because the, oh, next... <laughs> oh, okay. the next item is finances. Um, hey, wait a second. I'm going to just call out the elephant in the room. Yeah. Can we talk about yeah. it? Yeah. My little can girl we... just walked by here and took a huge dump. <laughs> Dude. In the toilet that's next to the freaking recording studio. Yeah. Am I the only one smelling that? No, you're not. God I dang! Get my whiskey. She. she I can smell the, the turds from dude. here. Did she flush that thing? I almost feel like she pooped her pants. Like, 
And then she laughed. Did you see her smiling as she walked by? There. So she takes a poop right next to us, just so I can kind of set the scene for the <laughs> the listeners here. She's six years old, walks by us, takes a poop, and leaves the freaking door open. And then grins walking by. And then by. grins walking by. And I didn't know why she was grinning until now. Yeah. I yeah, smell like poop. Situation happening. Thank God. Smee's lighting a candle. Yeah. Dear <laughs> God. That was a what the one, heck did she eat? Like I could tell you you could smell it. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm ta- I'm looking at Smee and I'm like, I'm I'm trying to be leadership or uh, uh, real about leadership, and there's just poop yeah, in I'm the like, air. Trying to keep my my mind focused, but like it just turds flowing into my mouth. Just the aroma of six year old poop flowing around. All right. Okay, yeah. All right, right. Smee's got a candle lit. Let's keep going. What Next is that? Is- Vanilla bean. So, yeah, it's, it's like a lavender thing. Uh, Dude, it could be dog poop, and it would smell better than yeah. what we're smelling right now. All right, Smee, hit it. Yes, one of the other, the third indicator in um, stress for... Or contributor, maybe? Uh, third yeah. contributor of stress? Stressor um, for law enforcement is finances. Uh, and they have two bullet points here that say low pay and more than one job. Mm. Okay. And I'll, again, have, having read that stuff, I, um, those notes are basically don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of folks have to have more than one job to support their, I'm going to say lifestyle, mm-hmm. I guess. So do you want me to start off with this or do you want to take it? Go for it. Okay. Um, so again, I've worked at three different agencies here. What? What did you give me that look for? No, I was giving Bird that look. No, she was giving me the look, dude. Because the poop smell? No, because he's... I looked at her and she gave me a, a bullcrap look. Dude, she better watch herself. Watch her looks. Okay. Mustache is looking good, by the way. Dude, Before thanks. You get too Dude, deep thank into you. It, thank you very much. I had to. I, if I shave, if like if I'm clean shaven, it makes the mustache pop. Yeah. So I had to shave right before I came down What'd here. What'd you shave with? I did not use your okay, straight I'll razor. Eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dude, it has nothing to do with your straight razor. It has everything to do with me not knowing how to be cool enough to use a straight razor. Well, I mean, you do it behind closed doors. You don't have to but, have to look at certain But if way. I walk out with all these cuts, they're going to know. But, like, what? hear, hear me out. Hear so me you, out. Put, you, you put a little shaving cream on it, uh-huh. scuff it up a little bit like you used it. No, I have. Just... I shaved, like, my cheek with it. Did it work? Did it shave? Oh, yeah, it shaved. But oh, my concern is my neck. Yeah, the your arteries? Yeah. That's a good concern. My vital arteries yeah. that if I cut, I'll die. Right. Those are my concerns understandable but i did so and not both cheeks i did shave my right cheek and that's face cheek not butt cheek just so we're clear <laughs> but i would i if i you want me to try it on my butt cheek i will try it on whatever you want okay i just want you to get at it but okay that little section you shaved it, it did good yeah right, it did right. good because I, 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 I kept it tight i kept it tight all right all right sorry all right here we are we digress yeah, yeah. all right so back to finances two topics number one low pay number two more than one job so um, I started in a city where my first paying cop gig was $13 and 67 cents an hour. Mm. Now I came out of college. So 1367, I was like, yep, guaranteed in, but I also want to say it was a different time. Okay. Okay. So it was, um, in today's cop world, you're just wanting like anybody will hire you. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you're not like a felon or just a huge piece of crap, you're going to get hired. But when I started, 
there were very few open cop positions. Okay. Yeah, so you had to work for that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I put in, I think I put in, and um, I'm very confident in this number, I put in like 15 applications at 15 different agencies. Oh, yeah. So one agency called me back. <clears throat> I did the whole testing. They hired another guy before they hired me. Then they hired me and said, hey, we got a second spot. Uh, or, I'm sorry, they offered the offered the position. Mm-hmm. This is what you'll make. And I, it, it could have been $3 an hour. I would have said, yeah, I'll do it. Now, fortunately for me, um, again, single, 1367, didn't need a whole lot of money. Me and my brother lived together at the time. In. Mm-hmm. And, again, it worked out because it was a really good agency. It wasn't small. It wasn't huge. I got a lot of... Uh, good experience there um so it's it's tough for me to say oh that wasn't enough money right now as time goes on i went to a county agency and the good thing about this county which was green county which is uh springfield missouri Mm -hmm. is we had unlimited overtime so for for like dwi overtime so people ask me what did you make a county i didn't actually know because I worked overtime almost every single night, okay. whether it was two hours, four hours, six hours, even on my days off, I just go in and work eight hours overtime. Mm. Um, so I didn't really ever struggle with money. And then I went to this, uh, my state agency, which I make a decent uh, amount or when I started a decent amount. Yeah. And then now I make, you know, a little bit better, but, uh, I would say I struggled with pay, at my state agency when I bought a house and had a family. Okay. Like that's probably the most stress I had financially. Uh, but it was easily like, Hey, cut down on this, cut down on that, understand your means and then live within that. Right. Um, now fortunately for me, the, uh, other half of my relationship Mm -hmm. made more money than me. So it was a little bit easier, I guess. Right. Um, and then started the whole extracted thing, started training and realized, Hey, there's a lot of, uh, financial gain in training as well. So I basically had two jobs, which I guess to this date, I have two jobs, right? which is the second bullet point. Um, and it's okay to have two jobs. I know a lot of guys mow lawns. Uh, what's another big one? Mowing lawns is a big one. Teaching is a big one. Um, that's probably the the biggest secondary employment, uh, over time, you know, or whatever, that's probably yeah. not a secondary job, but it's okay to have two jobs. I enjoy it. In fact, I would say I enjoy my secondary job just as much or even more than my primary job because I'm able to be creative and my own boss. Right. And now we're the fastest growing podcast in Southwest Missouri, baby. So yeah, uh, I would say number one, just live, live within your means. People can live so much more, uh, if they just understand what they need and what they don't. And I'm going to quote one, one more guy that, um, so my, uh, high school history teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Weber have no idea if he's still alive, but Mr. Weber was a millionaire. First millionaire I ever met like face to face. Really? Yep. And he taught history. So I was like, Holy cow. How is this guy a at millionaire a at, at a very rural school? Was his first name Chris? It was not Chris Weber, the uh, uh, Sacramento King yeah. uh, okay, power forward. It was not. I thought I'd ask. <laughs> yeah. Put it this way. He looked nothing like Chris Weber. Oh, okay. Uh, so Mr. Weber and I remember staying after class and I'm like, God dang, how are you a millionaire and why are you teaching in Wheaton, Missouri? Yeah. And so he started his own trucking company. 
is oh, the whole oh. thing. And he ended up selling the trucking company, and I forgot what it was, over a million dollars or whatever. And he said the key to becoming a millionaire is to living well below your means. Yeah. And he told me a story about him and his wife. They used to, like, uh, when they first started sleeping in the office, um, you know, all this stuff that you don't really think about. Mm. And then he taught history because he liked it. Mm. So, I mean... So he, his so his teaching job was his side sex, hustle. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it a side hustle. His teaching job was because he wanted to do it. Yeah, it was a wow. passion project. So if you can imagine how good of a teacher he was mm-hmm. because he didn't need it. Right. Does that make he sense? He wanted to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically my whole thing is live... Uh, I am definitely not a financial advisor, but live within your means. Recognize what you need. Hashtag need, not want. And, you know, just live in that lifestyle. Yeah. What about you? I know military guys, I mean, you mediocre pay. I'm going to go with, I don't really know. Uh, I can't remember the pay. I, I do know that I really, I do know that I really didn't have too much problems with financial just simply for the fact that i i just wasn't that guy that would really buy that much stuff um and i didn't have to support anybody due to the the you know not being married and and uh not having kids so that helped out with the financial problems i really didn't have to or financial problems management of it because i really just didn't have to do anything besides buy stuff that i i really needed um there were individuals in the military that had seemed to have a hard time with with money spending money uh, are they single guys or are they like family people? they were single yeah and so I, I don't know really where they went wrong or where they used up all their money but for some reason they had a hard time keeping it now i don't know if they had bills or money they were sending to their mother or whatever it may be i didn't i don't know their their scenario and i'm you know not want to judge on it but there were individuals in the military that had problems with spending money uh, but i never really had that had that problem i just i mean because they give you a room when you're single in the military they give you a room and you know you get you get food yeah i'm done i'm done i'm bankrolling at this point i was gonna say like they gave you you know the chow hall and you get to go up there whenever you want pretty much and so i really you know obviously there'd be times where i'm like spend a little too much money. yeah but it wasn't like you know i wasn't in in debt so yeah why do we i guess why do we think that finances is that why is that a stressor on this list then so i'm gonna say overspending yeah, I think that's uh, like money management has got to be. It's huge. It's huge in any profession, right? I, I'm going to use an example that, you know, I'll see a new guy, uh, gal, whatever, and I know what they make. Mm-hmm. So they work at like, um, you know, let's say the, the local level and they're like in jail management or whatever. And, you know, right or wrong, typically jail management works or I'm sorry, gets paid less than the road people do. So I know what they make. And then I see him pull up in like a, you know, 2023 Dodge freaking Cummings, or no, is that right? Cummings? Ram Dodge? Cummings is switched over, but... Okay, hey, Ram Cummings hey, with a freaking... I'm an owner. <laughs> he's got one. He I knows. One. He's an expert. With a freaking brand new, like, four-wheeler Raptor in the back that I'm I'm guessing, I don't know what that costs, six $8,000. I have no idea. They're, yeah, they're, they're pricing. Yeah, probably a little bit more. I think it, they're up in the teens. Ten, yeah. Oh, teens? Okay, again, again, I have yeah. no idea. But I'm going... You make 
$14 an hour tops, by the way. Right. You just pulled in a $60,000 truck and a, I don't know, $15,000 four-wheeler? Right. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that's wild. That's so, wild. again, overspending. I'm not saying that we shouldn't make more money because we probably should. When I break down my base salary, I'm like, wow, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 management. Right. Would you agree with that? Like, you yeah. see your newer guys do that stuff? You're, uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, they go in there, and a lot of those newer guys in the military and you know, I can't speak on the law enforcement side, but in the military, that's their first job. It's the, it's the same folks. Okay, yeah. Out, out of, out of high school. And so they, you know, that, that, that paycheck regularly hitting, you know, you know, I think is, yeah, I think it was biweekly. I'm pretty sure it was, but anyways, they get a paycheck, you know, every two, two to four weeks mm-hmm. and you know, it's like they, they lose their mind. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why I, I, I was older getting in the in the military. Because so. they weren't used to that pay you were making at the maze drug warehouse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Bird used to work at a drug wa- Dude, warehouse. You want to talk about Basically, it's like a, a downgraded Walmart. Would you it's say like that? Off-brand Walgreens. Off-brand Walgreens, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, 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 honestly, yeah, it's like a knockoff Walgreens. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fairly accurate. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I guess I kind of learned my financial management from that because I know part-time I wasn't working very much at all. Right. And so, but yeah, I, yeah, a lot of newer guys have have a little trouble um, with their management of the, of the funds Yeah. when they first get, and it kind of carries over until they probably, I, I would assume, get kind of past their first deployment because that deployment money... They kind of make up for what they spend on that deployment money if they go on deployment because you got hazardous pay, you got you know combat pay or whatever yeah. it may be. So they make and it's not tax and stuff. So right, right. So they make a lot more. Sure. And so they kind of make up, and so you'll see kind of a cycle before deployment. They're out of money. Right. And then and then during deployment, obviously they you know from the group I rolled with, you know you can't really spend it on anything but haircuts. So, <laughs> anything but haircuts yeah, I mean, like on deployment all you had to buy really was haircuts and like razors and you know your soap and but like you know you go sparingly on your soap and yeah your 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 uh shampoo you really don't you know that, that can last you for a while everything but haircuts yeah, yeah. i mean because you well because they do like a hair which is wild because they now if it, it might have changed but in the military in the marine corps you had to get it mandatory by order you had to get a haircut every two weeks okay but, but every every unit that i was in which wasn't very many it was two you had to get a haircut every week mm. so you had to get a haircut every week you had to get a fresh cut but if that's all you're buying right so it really wasn't a problem with me <laughs> but there'd be individuals coming up you know from the weekend they'd be like i'm like how come we don't have a fresh haircut you know yeah because our chain of command you know obviously by order sure you know two weeks but they it's kind of like the the laws and and state or and federal like they can't make it three weeks of a haircut but they can narrow it down to one yeah yeah so it's kind of like one of those things that they wanted us to get a haircut every week and like how come we don't have a haircut sergeant i didn't have enough money and i'm like dude the px as they drive off in their new dodge and raptor in the back and then you sit there and see them and they're like walking in with like you know, Domino's pizza that, you know, they can get on base. Yeah. And, you know, 
they deliver it to your barracks room. Yeah. And so it's like, like the one time of not eating Domino's can pay for that haircut. Right. So yeah, money management. Huge, management. Yeah. Huge ordeal, especially in the in the newer dudes coming in. Yeah. Um, but. And this is a whole other topic, but I'm going to say it real quick. I think a lot of it has to do with, I was never taught how to manage money in school. Nobody ever is. That's right. not, you don't learn that stuff till like you're in your master's level of right. like program. That's that's one of the biggest, don't get me, get me started. Yeah, no, again, I'm not trying to get anybody started. <laughs> I think my thing is the only way I was taught to manage money was my parents growing up. Uh, so my parents were divorced. So like my uh, my mom and my stepdad and then my dad and my stepmom, we never had a lot of money. So I watched them like struggle through things mm -hmm. and it wasn't because they were, you know, overspending. They just didn't make a lot of money. Right. And I thought, oh, holy crap. So I knew like I had to live within my means or there was no, you know, collecting debt and all that crap. Like you look at credit card debt and stuff now, but yeah. Um, so that's, that was my best teacher was watching my parents struggle through, you know, their finances. Right. And I remember my, uh, my dad used to come in like a week before Christmas and I may have already told the story, but he, me and my brother, we had bunk beds. So all the way through high school, me and my brother lived in the same room, mm. which, you know, okay, it is what it is. I don't care. Right. right. Looking back, it was fun. Yeah. But my dad would come in and be like, hey, just FYI, you may not be getting that much for Christmas this year. Mm -hmm. And even as a kid, I understood, like, that was probably difficult for him to come in our house and say, or our room and say. And I remember thinking to myself, too, though, I'm never going to say that to my kid. Right. Does that make sense? And yeah. I'm, I'm not, like, bashing them at all. Right. But that kind of set those principles of, I'm going to manage my money and live within my means more. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. I agree. Yeah, I think that just from my standpoint and being a little like being a little bit more familiar with the private corporate world of greatest country on the face of the planet, baby. America, <laughs> suck my butt and lick yeah, on. The work, no, go ahead, go ahead. The, the work that you whoa. guys, whoa, whoa, the work that you guys have to do uh, for the pay that you get is just really unfortunate yeah if you don't know anything about me you know that's what i have to say when i don't really have anything positive to say about the situation because they're because from a completely different perspective i went i got out of school and worked a fairly entry-level job even with an advanced degree and I, I i made starting pay uh like five to eight dollars more than you did an hour mm-hmm and and to not have to deal with half of the the chaos Bullshit. that yeah that you guys have to deal with. So I think that just you know in how we reward individuals for picking this profession, it's definitely not monetary. It is it has to be an intrinsic reward that you get from doing these type of roles because there's really no other reason. Um, which which is a whole another topic on how we treat them, but yeah. So I think that's just just being familiar with you know different the different industries in the world uh and what you you can get paid to do uh easier less stressful honestly some some just some stupid bullshit yeah. you just have to make it through eight hours you know five days a week and respond to your emails on time um and still get paid much more than individuals that have to deal with very very stressful complicated situations so it's just very unfair yeah uh, killing it baby yeah i agree i I think right when I got out, you were trying to talk me in 
to go and, and do an academy. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> I mean, because, like, dude, especially now, and I stand by my, my uh, thing, not saying, I just don't, dude. The stressors that the law enforcement have, like, if you, today, you pull up Instagram or TikTok or whatever you guys are on, you pull it up, just the, that stress alone on having to deal with situations that are videoed, let mm-hmm. alone the ones aren't, nah, dude, I'll build cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> I'll build cabinets, bro. I ain't about that, but, but yeah, I, I do think the pay is, which obviously is a whole different topic. Yeah. And we, you know, but I'll say this, I, I don't think the, the, the pay is, um, I don't think it's equal to the, the responsibilities and, and the situations that are put in there. So. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Me, what's, what's next? Hit yeah, it. something next. So next, emotions. Oh. Ooh, this is a, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Is there any uh, so... bullet points under that or? Anything you want to talk about about emotions? So yeah, yeah. so the yeah, the bullet points are <laughs> me. What? Often to... I'm gonna say I think the I think the bullet point under that without having written it myself probably right. say something like, um, you know, cops are constantly having to uh, control their emotions, not take them out on people at work mm. or civilians, and end up taking them home to immediate family members oh does that kind of make sense i mean I don't we know, take I our stress or, i didn't read it yeah so. as the person that's trying to read this that sounds right yeah i'm struggling yeah. a little bit with some yeah some writing. that's what it says it so basically you know we're talking about all the frustrations and stuff at work and there are some frustrations again it's to me it's a bit it's the greatest job on the face of the planet still you have a ton of fun you know, just like the military, you get with your homies, you're going through the struggle together, and it honestly, you're laughing at trauma bonding. You're, you're laughing, laughing at, at bad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, soup lady. <laughs> but, but again, you've never had you've never had more fun, right? Right. Uh, but there are times where it's extremely frustrating, and whether it's the job, whether it's the public, whether it's administration, where you can't take it out on somebody that's called for your assistance right right? so somebody calls and says oh i want to make a crash report because of you know i hit a deer or whatever so no matter your frustration when you show up you have to be you know or you should be very respectful treat these people uh very uh, professionally nice etc because that's their only experience or maybe maybe their only experience they'll ever have so a lot of times you hold on to those frustrations Mm -hmm. and then when you get home unfortunately um your family feels those frustrations right Um, now when i say feels i mean obviously i would never talk about any sort of physical stuff right Right. because that's that's absolutely wrong but Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is you come home with a bad attitude or you know you're being short with your significant other or your kids or what they didn't deserve they didn't do anything to deserve that right so i think that's what we're talking about emotions so um you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it because you were single mm-hmm. when you did that, but uh, and I'm sure you, you know you have stressors now. I know that you do. Uh, but for me, it is, you know, be actively thinking of what you're saying and what you're doing, and then how that's being perceived. And when I say actively thinking, I mean, and I've talked about it in a previous episode of active listening, like mm-hmm. hearing what I say, not just saying it. Right. 
And, you know, my six-year-old has nothing to do with the way that administration treats me or the way that, you know, some drunk a-hole treated me. Right. And in fact, the way that I look at it is like, that's the one good thing that I still have that isn't bad or tainted. So I try to listen to what I say and then draw, you know, I guess I'll say positive energy from those that are not tainted in that way that I'm tainted sometimes. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I agree. Um, are you, I mean, cause I'll, I'll go in after you. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I'll even talk about kind of my transition out of the military. I... I didn't know how to handle because there's two different types of handling your or there's multiple different types of ways ways you can handle your emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the military and in, in the Marine Corps, you know the emotion that you you know you showed others wasn't always the best. And ninety nine percent of the time, if you had emotions towards somebody, you weren't doing it nice. I had a hard time with it. Kind of getting back to family life because pretty much I got married right at the end of my military career. Because you get, you took your current wife to the I said current life like you said like twelve. Yeah. Yes, your wife. Yeah, <laughs> but like to the Marine Corps ball. So you guys yeah, were dating. Were. You guys were dating during a yeah, little bit, during. right towards the end. Yeah, and then we got married pretty much three months out of me getting out. Okay. So once I got out. Obviously, we're in we're in a house together, and that's way different from being in a house with your buddies, you know, and the different emotions you can have within the same, you know, down the same catwalk or barracks room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a hard time. I didn't have a hard time, but I had a hard time, I guess, realizing what I, how I was, you know, throwing my emotions out there in a in a way because it's good to have emotions. Totally, but it's it's the the way that you translate those emotions to your partner or said anybody else can be completely different. Yeah, you know, way different scenarios. So I had a hard time between when I was talking to Marines about emotions and then talking to my wife, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of the transition problem I had. The way that I think I've gotten better. To my wife, probably not. <laughs> but actually, we invited her here. Yeah, yeah. she is. Oh, here wow. she is, folks. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, and being able to do, kind of leave one at work, regardless of what happened, mm-hmm. and not take it home. That's a huge part of it. I, I'd assume. I never yeah. really had that situation. And I'm going to say this. Hopefully, you don't mind it, but. You know, even as a civilian, I feel that you still deal with anxiety that's probably rooted in your military service. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so you still have to kind of deal. The reason I say this is I know that you and I have been in like, uh, went to like uh, college games or uh, large crowds. Yeah. And both of us are like, oh, God, Not I really don't want to be here. Right. So I think you're, you know. Even yeah. though you're out, and I think that's what's important to know, is you're still dealing with those stressors and have to deal with that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and at first it really was, because at the time I really didn't, when those times we were in large crowds and whatever, 
I didn't realize that it was a stressor. Right. So I didn't acknowledge it. I thought it, you know, I, I always thought worst case scenario mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Which now, we tend to do, with, right? Yeah. And, and so once you think of the worst case scenario, whether it could happen or not even come close, you sit there and think about it and you replay it a little bit. And then you honestly, you start making more of your personality. of, mm-hmm. of And then you that's when it starts turning into emotions. But I now I have been able to kind of acknowledge like, hey, this is just your mind goofing with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, not all things are bad. So I've been able to kind of relay that a little bit better. But at first, yeah, you're right. You're like, it was just hard to. It was just a hard transitional part of it, which is, you know, happens to pretty much almost every Marine that kind of gets out, uh, you know, and gets out into civilian world or whatever it may be, you know, the transition part of being able to stop one of them Mm -hmm. and then go to the other one. Yeah. But yeah, you know, obviously in the you know, experience of, of that stuff, even in training, I believe your mind puts you in that negative space because of, you know, in like, especially in the military, they teach you a worst case scenario possible. Right. So, you know, you're mass casualty. So say large crowd or whatever it may be, your mind kind of puts you in this, whether you've, you know, been deployed or whether you, you know, due to training and all that jazz, I think that even even that stuff could kind of play on somebody. So it's all kind of tied in to just, you know, being able to decipher it, I guess. Yeah. And understand that, hey, I understand why I feel this way because of experiences, training, or whatever it may be, but it's not real. Right. Right. Right now. Yeah. But. Yeah, and so that's a good segue into our next one. But before we do that, I want to address something. Is so when I started copping, I was told that oh, everybody you know is gonna, or your best friends are gonna become cops, and don't do that. Don't do that. Make sure you have a connection. And like I, mean, I remember this like clear as day. Somebody mm-hmm. saying this, and so I tried to do that, and I tried to keep my friends that were close outside of the cop world. And to be honest, that was dumb. That was probably some of the the worst advice I ever got. Because, and it was my roommate at the time, whose also name was Ryan. Now, not the poop in my pants Ryan. I actually lived with two different Ryans, believe it or not. The Ryan clan. Um, But they didn't understand the things that I was going through. So when I said it, they would, oh, yeah, okay. But they didn't truly get it, right? Mm -hmm. But I was trying to keep this connection outside of law enforcement. Well, finally, I... I guess I'll say I gave in and then started my best friends are now cops. And that's probably the best thing that I've done because they truly know what I'm going through when I have these situations. Right. So if, you know, for me, if being told that, oh, you know, don't let your best friends be cop, try to keep this connection outside. That was horrible. Uh you know, so find the people who know what you're going through. Talk to them about it. Uh, most likely, um, from my experience, when I talk to them about it, guess what? They go, "Oh shit, yeah, no way, dude." Same right. thing for me. Right. Right. So then you open this big this dialogue of, uh, you know, emotions that you're going through, and it's the coolest thing because you guys, you know, make jokes about it. You know, you're serious about it, 
and you, you're able to kind of discuss your way through that from somebody or with somebody that that knows what you're talking about. Right. Right. So, um, anyways, do you think that like ahead. that um, would be a problem if like you didn't have any outside identity other than just law enforcement? Um, do I think that'd be a problem? Uh, I don't know, uh, because a lot of cops do identify as this is me, this is who I am. And an easy way to figure those people out is, hey, what do you do for a living? Right. And people will say, I am a X, Y, Z. I am a trooper. I am a deputy. I am a cop. And usually I am a cabinet builder. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, if if you ask Bert, he would say probably in the Marine Corps, I'm a Marine. Yeah. Because he identifies as that person. So, so you know, I am a business manager. Right, but you don't say that. Because that's not what I identify. Right. Like, that's not my primary identity. No, that that's identity. my point is so you can it's it's easier to tell those those folks that identify as that profession. So, I you know, I am a trooper, but and Smee could probably verify this. I typically say, "Hey, listen, this is what I do, but I also do this, this and this." And in one of my presentations, I make it very clear to say yes i'm a trooper but number one i'm a father i'm a husband i'm a person i'm a son then i'm a trooper number four number five Mm -hmm. so i think you have to identify it as something outside of what your job is and again this is just me talking but if you identify as your profession when your profession is over you're gonna die faster and if you look at uh officer's lifespan after retirement is very short. I want to say it's five to seven years last time I checked. Mm. So you do need to identify with something other than that, but cops understand your problems and what you're going through. So I would say find a core group of folks that you know are going to have, that do have a life outside of copping. And that's usually your vet, your, your veteran guys typically do like a lot of guys I, you know, uh, teach with whatever or they have a family they're hunters they do all this stuff outside of it right is that is that yeah i just think that just even from any profession just i've known a lot of people in in a completely different industry that that was their job was their life that's bad and it's very very sad to watch it disappear yeah uh, and i've watched it a lot of times and you know that we've had the the conversation about the retirement parties with the sheet cake from walmart bakery and like four people that show up and this is like they don't have a family to go home that's to. all they have yeah they didn't they didn't prioritize that they prioritized you know putting in the hours and you know working climbing the ladder and doing whatever um and it's very sad to watch so i i mean it's not even from your profession it's just from any profession that you take a job and make it your identity uh and just knowing with how flaky the world is and how unstable the economy is and how just uncertain it is just to to have that as your sole cornerstone of your identity is very yeah i just wouldn't recommend that for anybody and, yeah I mean, it's hard especially because a lot of the people that i know went to school for a lot of years like went you know our doctors and went on to you know goes at those advanced degrees so they took up a lot of their life to get to where they are and i i'm you know happy for their success but if they don't balance those priorities appropriately then i've also watched it just be a really sad retirement yeah. situation so for me I, I think that's what extracted does for me is i have this 
identity outside of law enforcement. I mean, it's connected, right? But it's not what I am or who I am. It's a job and it's like a, a creative outlet that has that has that is not connected directly to my profession. And, you know, talking to Bird and stuff, getting this podcast going, I mean, I think that probably he and I agreed that we didn't talk about it, but this was a connection outside of what we actually do, mm-hmm. though it's similar, yeah. right? It helps us relate, right. but not, it's not who we are. Right. So right. does that kind of make sense to you? But yeah, you know, I see these guys that retire and then they die five years later or they retire and then they become a cop somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And again, I love my job. But when I retire, and I say this now, freaking in 20 years, I'm going to do this exact thing. But when I retire, man, I'm I'm chilling. Right. You know, I'm going to uh, spend time with probably the grandkids at the time or, you know, whatever it is. But uh, Go knock know, a couple squirrels. Yeah, go, go, <laughs> go kill a couple squirrels. Yeah, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's time to relax. And so that, anyway, for so for me, Extracted has kind of helps me understand that I can be something outside of a guy in a uniform. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I, I think finding that, uh, that support system or that group that understands what you're going through is really essential, like early on. Yeah. Because you're still figuring out how you're going to cope with the, de- the demands of this profession. And so I think that's super key. And that's probably why you had spoke to, you know, some of the older, you know, older guys, the veterans or whatever, you know, having different personalities, the, uh, the biker, the runner, the hunter, whatever their mm-hmm. identity is, but I think that um, especially while you're while you're fresh in, you have to figure out how you're going to uh, carry the weight and uh, adapt and deal with the the career that you've chosen, which happens to everybody, just different levels. Which yeah, everybody has to figure out. So yeah, and Coppin's kind of tough. I'm not going to keep beating this dead horse. Coppin's kind of tough because no matter where you go, somebody wants to be like. Oh, tell me a story about this. Or have you ever shot somebody or Hey, tell me, tell me the wildest story you've ever had. So even if you're trying to get outside of it, if you're even like like a family event, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your cousin, your brother, your uncle or whatever. So anything cool happened lately, you know, Uh, which is a really unique thing about copping is you don't make a lot of money, but even like people that are very well off are a little bit, peanut butter jealous of what you do yeah they're, they're interested they're really curious about what you do yeah. so they ask you about that so yeah man find something else outside of that and um i always tell the young guys because i do train them is listen this is a, a great job but you're also a person yeah and i think that's important for us to understand so um so one other thing under emotions gosh we hit emotions for a little bit but uh, was this one i want to talk about it so from a law enforcement standpoint we're really trained or we become overly suspicious about everything. And when we do that, we become very like calloused to the thought that there are still good people out there. Right. Right. And, and I'm one of those guys that every time somebody's talking, I'm going, this dude's lying. Mm-hmm. Or every time somebody says they did, you know, I'm like, no, they didn't. Right. So, I would say probably about the five year mark is when I really became callous and was like, everybody's bad. Everybody's doing something stupid. Um, but the more I grew and the older that I got is I, I took a step back and thought, well, there still are good people out there that make bad decisions. Right. 
but there are also still good people out there that make good decisions. And, you know, it's important to recognize that not everybody is, is bad and not everybody is against you. Yeah. So, you know, and it's kind of what you were talking about, you know, being in large crowds, you automatically think worst case scenario. Right. And, and it's not even like, you know, for individuals who do have that problem with large crowds, it's not like they've seen, you know, a, a whole crowd, you know, have like a, a shooting or whatever. Right. But it's it's the, the idea that somebody's capable of. Mm-hmm. It. And we're trained that way. Right. Hey, I mean, this it's, is. It's scenarios that you've have, you know, you and myself. We go through, or went through, where you're like, you're you're automatically supposed to honestly suspect the worst, mm-hmm. and and that's just you know that's just like the training that you go through. Yeah. Re- regardless if you've been in a large crowd or not, so it's just like you get that idea from your training, and then you're like, wow, this guy. Mm-hmm. And so, I under yeah I agree. I mean, how many times are we out together and we ask each other, hey, you packing? You packing? Oh yeah. So what we know that one of us has a freaking yeah, gun, we make sure right? That at least one of us has. One of us has a, a gat. Has a boomstick. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's I think that's what's nice about uh, being with you know another cop or another you know guy in the military. We understand those stressors and what how we're feeling when we right. go to those situations. And honestly, when I'm not packing, and you go, yeah, I got a gat piece here. I'm going. I feel a lot better. Yeah. Right. In fact, my anxiety just decreases yeah, dramatically. Gosh, wait, you got gun. Yeah. 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 Same, now, when I hurt my back, when I hurt my back and I had my gap piece on my ankle, and I thought like you were gonna have to like get it for me, or just here, yeah, or right. just like pull it out my ankle and start shooting. Just, yeah. Like hold your leg up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, take your, take your foot to the right, brother. I'm snagging your ankle. Just shoot me in the foot. <laughs> So that's my thing is find is someone who humor? who can relate to you. Yeah, hey, do you guys ever see that bowl of soup meme yeah. I put out there? Meme, yeah, check it out on uh, This episode's going to be the bowl of soup, yeah. just so you know. The like, emotional bowl of soup. Emotional Ooh. bowl of soup. Yeah, and I think that, again, that comes from your guys' exposure to that part of society. So there's a concept called Jahari's Window where your perception is based off of your access to information. So you, you admittedly see... Some of the terrible parts of society. Like people in a bowl of soup. Yes. So therefore, it's a quicker journey to that bad spot than it is for the average person that has. Let's just say normal because most of us are not normal. I'm not going to say normal abnormal. It is what it is. We are abnormal. That it is. You guys just have to recognize that. That you have. You see. Pardon my um paraphrasing here the butthole of society and then you just have to 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 pretend that it it, it doesn't exist i would say in normal situations like yeah. in, in regular social situations and so just acknowledging that uh, you have um, that there's an anus out there yeah that there's anus a balloon knot that you have a rusty sheriff's badge an overabundance of an exposure to this this dark part of the world yeah. um to that world not to say that it's not bad to be packing or to, to to be aware of your situations by all means but you have a shorter path to um to assume that's going to happen than people who are not heavily exposed to that part yeah. of the world right. and so I mean, I've, you know, I've been around you two a lot. So I, and I, I also dealt with the, the butthole of the world. Maybe like, not the butthole, but like. I'd love the, to. the people that don't pay their medical bills. Yeah. The, the, but you would just have to be aware that that's what you're doing. You got to understand that that's what's happening. Yeah. It's not real life. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, obviously, until it becomes your life. Right. But it, it, you're able to sit there and be like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm okay. I don't, you know, I don't need to carry in this, you know, carry it over to anything else. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's just, honestly, a, a lot of stressors. Yeah. You, you, If you're able to kind of decipher, like, hey, this is causing my problem. I'm okay. Understand it. But not let it kind of over, overfill or spill over. Mm-hmm. Then I think you're a lot better off of being yeah. able to kind of. You know, get to the bottom of it, and not it kind of control it. I guess. Yeah. Makes sense. No, yeah, I agree. It's just, yeah. I mean, and like I said, I, I can tell when both of you are on high alert. Um, That's because we're all content, baby, all the yeah, time. Yeah, and I content, can baby. do. I try to do whatever I can do <laughs> to adapt to that situation. But I think it is. I think that the problem is, or the, uh, the stress comes from that situation is not knowing why you're going there. So just imagine a young guy going, you know, to a young, very good looking mm-hmm. mustache, mustache, sometimes wears a ball cap, has uh, a little shave up top. That's a little closer than the rest. Yeah. Shaves with a straight razor, not on the neck though, just right. on the cheeks. <laughs> Go ahead, Smee. Keep going. So yeah. So just imagine like a young cop that is intelligent. Know, yes. That is good. Intelligent. Did we stress good looking yet? Going what about into fit? Fit. Above average IQ. And, and maybe say he's been on the job six months. Make some sweet memes. Make memes. sweet memes. And he is suddenly is presented with this high, you know, this um, social situation and he goes in and he is all of a sudden like heart rate is elevated he's on high alert looking good looking good obviously had a pump pump just got an arm pump not aware of what's happening to himself like not why am i in fight or flight right now at a kid's you know junior basketball game so i think that's where the stress comes from is that you you all in your professions are gonna go there faster than anybody else whether or not it's completely warranted Mm -hmm. to go there Um, and how do you adapt personally so that that doesn't detrimentally affect your life so you don't stop going to your kids junior high basketball games because you've lost you know you can't sit through them without right you know having 150 heart rate and continuously being on a swivel uh so how do you how do you adapt to those situations so you can still live within society um somewhat functionally uh, and not i think you just do what we do we just don't go out unless we have to Bingo. bird hasn't been out of southwest missouri or this studio in like 15 years so, yeah, there's the dude goes to work into the woods and then to get chaw when he needs it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say something but i'm like Think that's man true. he hit everything on wow. yeah. it differently but just recognize that yeah i think the big part of it it's in all seriousness is recognize yeah. that you're doing yeah it. and and that's you know that's a game changer because you know with the training I had, it literally, like, I never got out of that until probably about two years ago yeah. or so. And then I find them like, hey, I'm doing this. It's all right. You know, yeah. we're just out here trying to enjoy some Christmas lights. Yeah. It's fine, you know. <laughs> but then, you know, you start, you know, you just got to be able to catch yourself. And, you know, obviously, you know, there's far more harder situations than what I've been put in. And each one's different, but you got to kind of be able to, to decipher them. I make guess. make a ma- mature decision or um, recognition and understand what you're going through. Right. Right? 
Yeah, right. and I think that as we point back to the stressors, I think that it is it is important that you are in communication with your partner about the situation. So they don't think that you're just like avoiding the junior high basketball games of your kid because you're not a supportive partner. You are uh you are in fight or flight the entire time you're in that junior high gymnasium and they like you need to have a conversation about what's going on with us with that situation. And I think that that's especially if your spouse does not understand or does not work in a similar profession uh, mm-hmm. and, and can't understand that scenario. Like, why are you getting stressed out at, at this situation? I think that's part of it is just being in that, that, that constant communication of this is where I'm at and recognizing where you're at yeah. in that mm-hmm. situation and being able to communicate that, uh, yeah. how you're, whether you're, how you're dealing with it or how you're not dealing with it, whatever, just being able to communicate that this is what I go through just in a, what everybody else would call a routine Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. And, and so. I'm going to say this from, from our standpoint, um, from saying this to your partner is I don't always need this big, long explanation or like feedback. I just need you to hear it mm-hmm. and let me be. Yeah. Right. Let me process it. Yeah. Let me kind of go hey, through it. Yep. Let me tell you what's going on. And then other than that, unless I, cause this is the way I, and, and not everybody's the same, right? I don't need a lot of feedback. It's just I need to say it so you know what's going on. Right. Other than that, I'll process it myself. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing too, you know, as a partner is understand what the other one needs. Right. So you agree with that or Yeah, and I think from a communication standpoint, that's communication like one oh one is a lot of uh couples Lovebirds. Lovebirds therapy, whatever. Recommend that whenever your partner has something to say or express, you you kind of ask that question or you are clear on whether or not they just need to voice their concern or their issue or they're looking for a solution. Because a lot of individuals, especially in your guys' professions, are great at making solutions. And that's not what everybody always wants either. Solving problems, baby. Yeah. Um, and so that's on the other side of that, that is, is an important kind of context to remember when you're in communication is that some, either party might just be looking to express their concerns and voice their, where they're at, not necessarily looking for you to solve a problem because a lot of individuals, especially in military and law enforcement are that take charge. Like I can solve this situation. Where on the other side of that, it may just be, you just need to shut up and listen to me yeah, and um, not go full alpha male type A on the situation. So, yeah. So how about this? Now that our whiskey glasses are empty, mm-hmm. what's the next topic? So, I mean, on the kind of, it was still on. Okay. So then the next topic on that one, I guess timely it is, is alcoholism. Is also a stressor <laughs> in law enforcement. Well timed, me. Well yeah, timed. Yes, I timed this appropriately. It's almost like I finished that glass of whiskey right at the right time. So the bullet points. Do you need to do the bullet points on on, that? on alcoholism? Yeah. It's I mean, often if... used as an escape. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. We're gonna go ahead and sign off now. All right. So comments on that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to comment on that. So I put alcoholism on there because, uh, believe it or not, it is a big deal. And what's funny is like when people listen to the podcast, they probably think we're just drunk all the time. Not me. Which <laughs> <laughs> I'm straight shooter, 
<laughs> which really isn't the case. And honestly, even in Bird's case, um, for the days that end in a Y. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but you know, for the podcast, we always you know we try to drink like a good whiskey or a good bourbon. What's up? Go back to Bird's case. Okay, Bird's case. Yeah, I was gonna say like let them know that I'm not an owl. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> is you know even even in Bird's case specifically, Bird. That's right. Is that most of us our drinking happens on this night that we that we uh, record the podcast. Let me say this: our heavy oh, okay. our heavy drinking happens on this night. Half my back, but don't lie. Yeah, yeah. Our heavy drinking happens on this night. And you know, talking about recognition and you know making the mature, I guess, observation of yourself is and i know bird has heard me say this a few times is every once in a while i do what i call like a you know a a reality check for myself yeah and i'll go you know what i'm not gonna drink for six months or geez hang on not six months but like six weeks okay i'll take that and i'll say (laughs) i just want to make sure that i'm still in control right and i just want to do it for six weeks boom all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and so for me i'm not saying that's that's like has to be everybody's way of checking, but that's how I check myself. And the reason that I, I check myself that way is, you know, I've seen people go down the path of, I got to get drunk every night mm-hmm. and that's not what I want to do. So during the week when I'm actually working, it's very rare that I drink anything. Yeah. But now when it's podcast time, this is my like celebration. I enjoy the podcast, yeah. right? I enjoy our conversation. Let the hair down. Let the hair down a little bit. Comb the mustache in, in the, the mic. Years back on a good beer or whiskey yeah so you know talking about alcoholism is uh i think it's something that's easy to fall back on and i am in no way a substance abuse counselor but it's easy to fall back on it's easy to obtain it's fairly cheap depending on what you're drinking so i just want to make sure that it's a quick fix yeah we're making those choices of i yes i like to drink which is okay nothing wrong with that right but i'm not doing it because of Right. right. I'm doing it because I want to, not because I need to. And that's right. what uh, this me and I had a conversation, wasn't too long ago, but uh, where I was like drinking a glass of bourbon a night. Mm-hmm. And I said, God dang, am I drinking too much? And she said, do you need it or do you want it? And I said, I don't know. I just kind of like the way it tastes. And it was, it was honestly during COVID. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this whole thing. Yeah, we didn't taste it. We had COVID Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys have COVID? Yeah, right now. But when we did have COVID, we drank a lot of whiskey. Yeah. It it didn't burn. And I said, no, I don't think I, I don't, I don't need it. I just feel like having a glass. So she's like, as long as you don't need it and you want it, it's fine. So I thought that was a good way to look at it is at any time I I could stop. And then sure enough, like a week later, I didn't drink for like another month. Right. But um, I think that's important to understand. You know, are you in control of your drinking habits? Yeah, and I think if you need it, kind of to piggyback off of Smee, if you need it to escape, is where you're kind of on that line, I, I believe. Yeah. Now, I don't get me wrong. Don't get him wrong, folks. Don't get me wrong. I love drinking. <laughs> but I drink all because I want to be a good time. Yeah. You know, it's not like because I'm, I'm like. Well, it's like, your, it's like your nicotine thing. Like, you came here knowing you're going to have to perform. Right. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all content. All content all the time. But it's like I don't go home and, you know. Drink a 12-pack yeah, of bush. I was going to say, like, once we live here, leave here, this is the last I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm going to go home, go to sleep, wake up. not going to probably, you know, even think about drinking that 
you know, like tomorrow night yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you need it for an escape to kind of take you out of that mindset is where you're starting to get to a situation where maybe you need to look back on yeah. it. Maybe kind of, you know, self-evaluate. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, the topic is alcoholism, but I think that any vice, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex or drugs or whatever. Whoa. Whoa. Slow down. Slow down, Smee. I think talking about bumping us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Slow at down. any point that it's something that you need or it's something that you feel like you have to have to escape whatever reality you, you are you have for yourself. I think yeah. that, that at that point it becomes problematic. And I think that, you know, food is a big one, especially in the US. I think that they're the majority of people are addicted to food and we just don't talk about it. I think that the next most socially acceptable one is alcohol that people can just be like lightheartedly addicted to alcohol and right. nobody really talks about it. Um, I think those are just probably the two most like prevalent and socially acceptable ones probably is more of an issue because you all have a different, more skewed, darker, traumatically imprinted reality that um, lends to escapism more than, like I said, the average person that doesn't deal with some of the things that you guys have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that that is, again, the topic is alcoholism, but any foreign object or any um, vice, if you will, that you feel like you have to have in order to maintain a sense of normalcy is. Yeah. I think the big, the big takeaway is being able to identify. Yeah. Identify it. Like whether it's, you know, training experience or just experience you had, I think if you're able to identify what's causing you, for these stressors and what's causing you to maybe want to drink more i think you have a good good like foot in the door of being able to be like okay this is where it's happening this is the reason why it's happening but if you're not able to identify it and if you're using it you know to get away from stuff and not be able to say hey I'm using this for a reason. Right, right. Then I, I think, I think the you, you got to just be able to, you know, identify it. Which, you know, it harder than you know, it, it, it's a lot harder than that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but yeah, I think that the first step is being able to, you know, recognition, baby. Re yeah, recognize yeah. why you're using, you know, the lattes. Why are you putting lattes down to get away from the feelings I'm feeling? Right, or whatever it may be. Right. So, is it just to have a good time with the homies, or do you need it for something? Yeah. Are yeah. you sitting at home in the dark with the TV off, you know, the fans kicking, dogs barking, drinking some lattes, right. you know, and or are you, you know, shotgunning some brewskis with your homies? Yeah. So, I think identify, identifying why you're using it is a, a big step into understanding, you know, or getting, you know, help or whatever yeah. it may be. Whatever you need. Yeah. So I found this quote that uh, I, I've never read the book, so I can't say, oh, it's 100% from it. But I, I found this quote that cited this book called Police Wife. Mm -hmm. Again, never read it. Uh, but in this book, it says officers claim that booze may have killed more policemen than bullets. And that was a pretty good quote. And I thought, man, that's probably true. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we always hear about gunfights and, you know, uh, the sexy way that we go out. Mm -hmm. You know, but you start thinking about these deep, dark things that have pushed us to a point of 
death, you know, whether it's, um, you know, for various reasons, but man, you, th- you think about that, like how many cops have, or, you know, military too, right? Cause they're heavy drinkers. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, has, has alcohol pushed them to that level? So I, you know, I think it's, it's important that we take a step back and examine what we're doing every day. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, you go with that, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we can get personal, but sure, I have, whatever you want. Well, so it's only the fastest growing podcast in Southwest Missouri. You tell right. me, boy. So both of my buddies, um, who didn't have combat or anything experience that I was with, were both intoxicated when they when they killed themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that that. Um, I think that that stuff brings out a lot different emotions, obviously, than what they're feeling. So I think that they got in a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. Not saying you know, getting you know, getting drunk with the buddies is you know wrong, obviously. But I think it it puts you in a different state of mind and different emotions for that for that temporary fix. Mm-hmm. And then then they kind of you know made a temporary. Or they made a permanent decision for a temporary problem. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, you know, that's why, you know, I, although I do like drinking and stuff, but if it got to that point, now I'm not saying they they were alcoholics or whatnot. Right. But they made a decision when they were drinking heavily. Mm-hmm. And obviously, um, we might have to cut this out, but um, yeah. It just didn't turn out for the best when they were. Yeah, well, I agree. You know, and talking about suicide thing again, serious topic, right? Uh, I just I did a little bit of research here and looking at suicide rates. Uh, these are just some of the ones that popped up first, but so in twenty twenty, one hundred sixteen cops were killed uh, via suicide or ended their lives via suicide, right? And one hundred and thirteen died in line of duty so 116 suicide 113 in line of duty but the the ones that we hear about the most are the 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 line of duty deaths Mm -hmm. um and then a little follow-up to that it was i believe it was in 2021 it increased to 150 suicides versus 113 so again you know not to be the uh you know the the guy that's talking about dark stuff but here's the deal everybody has problems uh, some of us cope with it in different ways. Again, I like a, a several glasses of bourbon on a Saturday night or Friday night, whatever it is. But, you know, if you're pushing yourself to the point of you need it versus want it, then we need to be recognizing that, reaching out and making the uh, mature decision to admit that we have those issues. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, I like it. So. Yeah. All right, I say we move into, uh, man, two hours and six minutes. I say we move into the final segment of Final Thoughts. Okay. You guys ready for that? Yeah. Uh, Smee, you want to go first with Final Thoughts? I know you just had some deep stuff there, but uh, yeah. give us, just give us your, give us your thoughts, but the final ones. The final ones. So my thoughts are, finally, that I, this was a great, I think this is a great episode. I think it was a meaningful episode. I enjoy some of the deeper kind of topics. Um, yeah, I think that all of these stressors are very prevalent in law enforcement and, or the military. 
And I do think that it is unfortunate that, uh, that some of them have to exist. Like, I think it's unfortunate that the finance concept is a stressor for individuals that do this type of work. Um, there's certain ones that you can never, um, adjust out of like the emotions and things like that that are involved but i think that the system could do better to support those that that are in this line of duty and i feel for everybody that's struggling with these with roles i i i know that i couldn't do them myself uh, i think that it takes a special individual to type to do this type of work and i i commend you and i applaud you but please 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 know your limitations and don't be afraid to um, ask for help when you feel like you are at them and you've reached your capacity so uh, i don't know uh, there's we can probably put some resources up or you know if you want to reach out to us we can kind of pull together some resources that we could have but please if you feel like you are struggling with any one of these stressors or you feel like you're out of control of your situation please let somebody know, you know, if, if that's us, that's great. If that's somebody within your support system, that's awesome too. But uh, you don't have to do it alone. We value your life and we want you with us. The bird, go ahead. All right. My FTs, dude. FT, hashtag FTs. <laughs> he makes everything seem so cool. I know. Yeah, well, I am cool. He's so swag. Uh, yeah. Um, no matter... Why am I getting so personal? Hey, man, this is what it's about, boy. Like, it's because uh, I lit the candle. It's Yeah, it's because my six-year-old's poop aroma is no <laughs> yeah. longer freaking floating around. Yeah, that's probably it. Mm. So no matter the stressors, whether you've experienced it, trained it, or whatever it may be, hey, talk to somebody about it. You know, um, there's no shame in it. There, you know, I wish that some individuals would have talked to somebody about it before they made the decision that they did. Um, but, you know, the best thing you can do is talk to somebody, especially somebody who can relate to you um, and kind of seek that camaraderie through the people that you're with all the time. And, and I think that that will uh, help you, help you a lot, but, you know, don't make any, you know, permanent decisions for temporary, you know, situations. Um, I love you. Thank you for the support. You know, call call somebody and um, check up on your buddies. All right, that's all I got. All right, good words. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, again, personal uh, podcast, a lot of uh, information that was a little more serious than what we normally talk about, but that stuff is necessary. Uh, you can always reach out to us and always give our social media stuff because we respond to that pretty quick. Uh, but if you need anything at all or just need to chit chat, uh, whatever it is, you can reach out to us on shows, social media. And it's me. Make sure I'm getting this right. Instagram is extract, E-X-T-R-A-C-T underscore ed, E-D underscore training. Okay. Or Facebook, Extracted Training, all one word. You guys can always shoot us a DM. We'll be happy to respond to that. Uh, if you have anything you want to talk to Bird about, Smee about, me about, we're happy to answer any of those questions. Uh, but as usual, uh, whether you're city, state, county, love you guys. Keep on keeping on. Keep grinding. Keep pushing forward. And if you need anything, let us know. And until next time, I appreciate it. And peace. That's showbiz, baby.